number of weeks ago we had a discussion series based on the presence of God and, and what we have in that. And they called Jesus Emmanuel, which means God with us. Um, and just think, if we understand that, go back to that series of discussions we had, and even to what they call Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us, it's really, that's the confidence to overcome everything that we just mentioned. It's like when, when we truly understand that, that God is with us and God is for us, He's not with us to be against us or to suppress us or to, to um, for anything other than our good. Um, then whatever's wrong with our body, whatever's going on with our family, whatever, whoever we don't have with us anymore, it's God with us and God for us that is the, the comfort and the hope that we have that gets us up every day, even though I've lost my husband, I've not lost the presence of God in my life. And ultimately, our lives, our flesh is temporary, but His presence is eternal with us. Um, and I know that's a perspective thing, and I know that's a hard thing to wrap our brain around in our finite bodies in this finite situation. Um, but once we get to that place, then we have peace. That's even worship team was talking this morning, and I think Derek mentioned Paul's comments where he said, I've learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in want or in need or in plenty. He said, I've learned it, figured it out. I can be content in any and every situation. Um, and that comes through, comes through Christ. And it's a process to get from a simple acknowledgement that Jesus paid for my sin and he was resurrected again. The simple faith that we have right there can save us, but the deep understanding of God's presence with us in every single day will persevere us. You know, and that's a journey, it's a process. Paul said, I've learned that over time. I've learned it over time. And everything that we encounter and endure is taking us closer to that reality. You may have a simple faith in Jesus for salvation today, but He wants to take you to a place that no matter what happens in this life, you're content, joy-filled in His presence. We're all on that journey from wherever we're at to that point, that type of faith, that type of endurance that comes through His presence. We are in our discussion series called For the City. And today we're going to be in Mark chapter 2. Oh yeah. Wednesday night, everybody's invited to our house for dinner. I think we're going to do a taco bar dinner. So we'll post on the group meet. Just, uh, and you can mention in the group meet, say, hey, I'll bring X, Y, or Z to go into the tacos, or I'll bring cheese dip, or I'll bring chips, or whatever it is. We'll take care of all the ground meat. We'll take care of the meat, so we're asking you guys to commit to bringing the rest of it. Uh, drinks, whatever it is. So, uh, taco dinner at our house this Wednesday. Uh, if you can be there at 6, be there at 6. If you can't be there till 6.30, show up when you can get there, and we'll probably eat at 6.30. So, um, but we want spend that time with you and also probably use that as a back to school time of prayer and over teachers and students and everything as we go back into another season of life.
And I think we're hoping to feed lunch to the Caldwell teachers. We've got a window to do that this week, and I need to visit with you, Tony, to see if we can accomplish that. Wednesday. Wednesday's better for me. So we'll visit about that. So with that said, if anybody's schedule allows them to be free around lunchtime on Wednesday, if this works out, we're going to go deliver lunch to all the teachers that are getting their classrooms ready, getting ready for all this at Caldwell Elementary, and feed the whole staff lunch on Wednesday. Just to be able to bless them and encourage them as they enter a new season. So we'll keep you up to date on that, see if that works out. I hope it does. Mark chapter 2, where we're at for the city. Anybody remember what we talked about the first two weeks? Sometimes it's hard for me to remember, so it's a good test. I think that was the first week. That was two weeks ago, which is incredible. You remember two weeks ago. Yes, week, week number one. Um, for the city, we talked about being servants of the city, existing, uh, not necessarily to make our brand known, but to help advance the city, um, and, and even to the extent of making their brands known, which is why we're printing the t-shirt that we're printing, it says for the city on the front, and on the back we've got about 20 local businesses that are putting their brand on the back of our t-shirt for free. And we're going to donate t-shirts to every company that has put their logo on it. Also giving all of us t-shirts. If you have not sent me a message with your t-shirt size, shame on you. Please do that so that I make sure and order the right amount of t-shirts. Because uh, we want everybody to have these. It's going to say for the city on the front. All our local businesses primarily downtown on the back to help let them know we're for them. We are their servants. We're here for their success and their, the advancement of their good. Not necessarily so that we can have a really good church, but so we can have a really good city, right? And we believe that when we live for their good, it's gonna be for our good as well, right? Live for the good of the city. When they thrive, you will thrive. So we're servants of the city. Last week, we talked about our why we exist. Answer to that simple question, why do we exist? anybody remember my single statement for why we exist? Everybody hates review questions because nobody really, it's repeating them is retaining them though. God, I think I just created that statement. We exist to bridge the connection between the church and the city. That's the unique. Obviously we exist to make disciples, and the way we word that is to help people increasingly worship, obey, and be transformed by the person of Jesus. That's how we define making disciples, increasingly worshiping, obeying, and being transformed by the person of Jesus. But the unique piece of why City Church Salt County exists is because of the burden of seeing the church and the city disconnected. And when they're disconnected, we don't have any influence. So we want to help be a church that makes a bridge between us and the city to the point that there is no bridge needed because we're just a part of the city. And when we're a part of the city, 
then are influenced to help people worship, obey, and be transformed by Jesus will be established. Okay? And that's the unique purpose of why we exist. So today, let's go start with this question. It's actually not a question. Uh, and I thought many ways to do this. Uh, I thought about, how do I spell click? I can't even spell clicks. So think about every high school movie. I spelled it right there. I just can't spell it right here. Clicks. Think about every high school movie, right? And you go into the lunchroom at every high school movie, whether it's high school musical, whether it's blah, 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 Teen Wolf or whatever you like watching. Um, what are the clicks? What are the, the groups that exist in there? Ah, let's give them our better name. They're the jocks. <laughs> I can't spell that either. Is it like Greek or like Greece? We're going to call them greasers. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever watched um, Greece? Yeah. It's slick back hair. It looks like they got oil in their hair, right? It's those dudes. Maybe that's the pretty voice. <laughs> I do have oil in their hair. <laughs> Tommy said, I used to have all of my hair, yeah. Goth. All right. What else we got? Would you, rich? Preps. Because you don't actually have to be ripped to be, I mean, rich to be a prep. You can actually fake it. Just go get you some polo shirts and some short khaki shorts, and all of a sudden you look like you're in a fraternity. I'm just going to go out on our podcast here. I don't understand dudes in short shorts. I don't get it. So uh, It's a cool thing now, I guess, but I don't get it. It's over my head. So, Joe, I don't want to see you in short shorts. So, <laughs> We got any other groups? Nerds. Oh, the nerds. Y'all remember Revenge of the Nerds? Band, no, those are band geeks. Uh, all right, so here we are. We've got this picture, right? You got the lunchroom. You got every teen movie ever made. Um, and there's there's a conflict that is displayed by having all these groups, right? Um, you you walk into the room and it's 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 like. I think Shelly was even having this conversation the other day. It's like the first time you go to school, you don't know what table to sit at, right? Until these groups are established and people routinely, automatically walk to their table because at their table are their people. And you know who you are and you know where you belong and you know what table to sit at at that point. But then every teen movie ever made, here's the turning point. Somebody from one group for one reason or another, ventures over to sit at the table of another group. Right? And then now you have drama or conflict because they've crossed these invisible lines by presenting themselves at another person's table. Right? We, know that, we know that movie, right? We know that storyline. So here, here's a question. If, if we understand that, we've seen that. It, it's, it's the turning point for all these movies. I want to ask a, maybe another insightful question is what is the what is what is it that we as people associate presence with if 
if Derek, let's go back to high school Derek. Is that appropriate? Okay. I mean, you told your own story. So if, if Derek, as a goth, says, you know what, today, for whatever reason, showed up to lunch, I'm going to go sit with the band geeks. And then Derek takes himself and he becomes present at the table of the band geeks. And then there's a collective, <gasps> both by Derek's table and by their table. And they're like, <gasps> because they associate Derek's presence with something. What, what's the connection? What are we associating that with? If Derek sits over there, what are we assuming? Okay. So, and, and here's what Derek says. We associate presence. If Derek is present with the other group, now Derek has officially changed groups. Or his affiliation. He's changed groups. He's now affiliated with their group instead of this group. So we associate presence with affiliation. That's who I affiliate with. Okay, what else? Okay. Well, I've got a word in my list for that too. So if you turned your back on the Goths, to now be with the band geeks. Now you're friendly with the band geeks, right? Which assumes an unfriendliness because it's one or the other at that point. So you, so the positive side of it, if you're present with them, then it's friendliness towards them, which sometimes is a negative, unfriendly towards the opposing group. What else? What do we associate presence with? give you a couple words. Acceptance. If you're going to be with them, then you accept them. Because right. the whole reason you sit at the other table is because you don't want to be like them. You don't want to accept them for how they are. You want to be like you are and like these other people are. But now, if you're going to be with them, you've accepted them. Compatibility. You must become like them. You're compatible now. There's, there's a common ground. There's something that makes you compatible. I got one more word. Anybody else got another one? If you're present with a group, then you're actually somehow concerned with that group. You actually have a concern and awareness towards them, uh, a care um, or a thought towards them where you're concerned. So today as we discuss what I believe may be one of the most simple, yet one of the most powerful, and probably the most overlooked practice of all of Jesus' ministry. It's so simple that we can apply it today, but 
I think a lot of times in our conversation about ministry and how to be a part or for a city, when we observe Jesus, we just glance over this, I think. And, and you can actually miss the simplicity and the power that's displayed. And that is the practice of presence. It's being present. Just being present. Look at Mark chapter 2. We're going to read verses 15 and 16. says, while he, that was Jesus, was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who were following him. When the scribes, who were Pharisees, saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors? and sinners. A little context, Jesus had just invited Matthew or Levi to become one of his 12 disciples who would spend the next three and a half years walking in his footsteps, learning, experiencing everything he did by his side. So he invited Matthew. What was Matthew? He was a, anybody remember? Tax collector. So when he invited Matthew, a tax collector, to be his disciple, now Jesus is actually connected to more tax collectors. Why? Because he crossed the invisible line when he gave Matthew the invitation. And Jesus, not hypothetically, but actually practically, sat at another table in the lunchroom. Because what we pick up in verse 15, it says, when Jesus was reclining at the table in Matthew's house. So Jesus literally sat at somebody else's table. He went into Matthew's house, who was a tax collector, and he sat at the table with more tax collectors and more sinners. Jesus crossed the invisible line to eat with these two groups. So we got, let's add to our group, tax collector and sinners. give a little bit of definition to this. Tax collectors are citizens of Israel yet employees of Rome. They're citizens of Israel but they're employed by Rome and Rome was the oppressor. Rome was the Roman Empire owned Israel at this point so all of Israel despised Rome because Rome owned them and suppressed them, but then the tax collectors, though they were born citizens of Israel, were employed by Rome to collect money from their own people and give it to the one who suppressed them. And the problem was they didn't, I mean, it, it, as if that wasn't bad enough, but now they collect more than they're supposed to and they're getting rich off their own people. So, Tommy, you owe me $2 for taxes. I'm going to tell you 4 I'm going to go ahead and give Rome their due. They're going to pay me for doing what I do, and I'm going to keep the extra, and I'm going to start to get rich off of you. Of course they were hated by their own people. They were traitors um, for their own wealth. Sinners 
a word that is used quite a bit in the New Testament. Now, Paul tells us in Romans that all have what? All have sinned. So if you want to say this, we're all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So we're all sinners, but when they're used this term in the Gospels a lot of time, this is a little bit different. These people are known for blatantly disobeying God's law. So this isn't like everybody's sin. This is like, I don't care. I just don't care. It's blatant disobedience to God's law. Blatant turning your back, disrespecting it. So let's do a little practice here. We're going to simplify God's law. Now in the first century, God's law could have meant a number of things. And there were thousands of commands that the Pharisees had on their list. Do's, don'ts. Don't do this on Sunday. Don't do this. Don't do this. But all of those came from a very simple version of God's law which is Ten Commandments. So when we talk about God's law this morning, let's stick with the Ten Commandments. Let's have a pop quiz. What are the Ten Commandments? Not like define them, but like tell me. Can we tell me all Ten Commandments in a pop quiz? Okay. Somewhere in there, it's don't kill. And when I say killing, that just means don't. To not to. Don't steal. Don't sleep with somebody else's wife. That one goes up top. No other gods. Not in vain. Now, I think that's probably one of the most misunderstood of all commandments. Like, don't say GD it. That's what we've reduced that to. But don't take his name in vain as if it doesn't matter. As if there's no weight to it. When you speak about the name and the person of God, there's weight. But if you can just speak or think irreverently as if it's just, it's just God. It's a shallow concept. It's a shallow identity. I think it's more than just using them as a cuss word. Just don't take them in vain as if it's just flippantly doesn't matter because who he is and his name carries weight. So what else? That's five. You got five to go. You got no other gods, don't take his name in vain, stealing, killing, and sleeping with your neighbor's wife. Adultery. Envy? Slash covet? Yeah. Envy or covet. Which is to actually look at your neighbor's house and say, man, I want his house. Look at your neighbor's wife, man, I want his wife. Look at your neighbor's life and just wish it was your own. Okay? Just wish it was your own. What else? Hmm? 
Lie? We don't have that one yet. Good job. Uh, lie, he also calls it giving false witness. Okay. How many is that? One, two, we're getting close. That's seven, three more. The less you have left, the harder it gets. Right? Honor the parents. Honor parents. Okay? Bum, bum, bum. Tony's getting nervous, got a little sweat going on. It's like, I don't know if we're going to get the last two. Keep the Sabbath. Woo, that was a good one. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's one more. One more. Now, if anybody in here went with me every Sunday to get donuts, this morning I asked our donut people, I said, I want to come back sometime, and I want to ask you what all this imagery is about. I want you to explain it to me so I can understand. Because we buy, we buy donuts from a donut store full of idols in their donut store. Now, a lot of Saline County says, we're not going to buy donuts from the donut store that has idols set up all over their lobby because idolatry is forbidden in the Ten Commandments. But I want to let you know that you're part of a church that says, we want to buy donuts from the donut store that has idols in their lobby so that we might have a presence in that part of our city and be able to proclaim good news to them as the opportunity comes. Do not commit idolatry. Don't set idols, images of God. Don't set them up. Okay? Uh, Jesus ate at the table with people who were open to other gods, had idols set up in their business, people who didn't take God seriously, and they worked every Sunday. That was who Jesus was having dinner with. Modern day, he was present with those who didn't wear Christian t-shirts and cared more about being profitable than being faithful. That's who he ate with. That was his group that he was caught sitting at the table with. He was present with the women who were known for their mistakes and the men who were known for their women. That's who he was having dinner with. So when Jesus crossed the invisible line at the lunchroom, the crowd who was watching did what we did earlier, and they said, <gasps> there was a gasp, and then there was a question. Why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? I believe the question that was asked was asked because the religious people associated presence with these things. When the Pharisees, the religious leaders, saw Jesus sitting at the table with traitors and people that blatantly just don't give a flip. And Jesus, a rabbi, a teacher, is sitting at the table, reclined, laughing and joking and eating and drinking with these people, the religious people say, oh, why is he doing that? What, has he changed groups? I mean, is that his people now? Is he affiliated with those people? 
Is, is he going to be friendly towards them and unfriendly towards us? Has he, is he, is he going to accept the traitors? Like, really? I mean, like, he accepts them the way they are. What, they're going to stay that way if he accepts them. Maybe Jesus, is he a rabbi more compatible with sinners than he is people that, like, know and obey God's law? Right? So they ask this question because when they see Jesus present with him, they assume all these things are true. The story... Um, They, they begin, here's the rest of my point this morning. When the religious people saw Jesus eating here, they begin to believe a story about Jesus already. They begin believing something internally. They're like, that's his people. He's going to be that way. He's this. He's a traitor. He's this. He's that. They begin believing that story internally. Um... But the rest of our talk is not based upon what the religious people believe because honestly, I don't care. And, and we're not going to move forward in this city based upon what religious people believe or care about. The rest of our talk and the rest of us moving forward as a church is based upon if we are for the city, then we're more concerned about what the city believes than what the religious people believe. Okay? We're more concerned about what the city believes. That's our concern. That's our focus. That's where our attention goes. So what would the city begin believing? Tax collectors and sinners gather around they're eating in Matthew's house, and Jesus doesn't show up. Right? Matthew invited Jesus, but Jesus was absent instead of present. What does the city begin believing in Jesus' absence? We're not his group. He won't affiliate with us. What else does the city begin believing? Tax collectors and sinners eating their food, drinking their drink, and Jesus does not receive the invitation to be a part. Maybe he doesn't care. He didn't want to show up. Maybe he didn't care. Maybe we're just too different for him. You know, all the things that the city points out about us, all Israel cares about us is, is what our job is, what our role is, what we've done, what we don't do, where we go, where we don't go, and, and we're grouped and we're pigeonholed in this, and if Jesus isn't going to come to our table, then apparently he doesn't care either. And apparently... We're not compatible with him either because our identity is incompatible with who Jesus is. Maybe he just didn't, maybe he's not, maybe he defines us the way the Pharisees define us too. Maybe that's true. Is that the way Jesus sees us and he doesn't want to be a part? I guess so. Maybe he won't accept us. Maybe the things we're known for, he just can't get past it, so he's not going to come to our table. I guess that's the way Jesus is, right? 
not going to be friendly towards us. I guess he'll just hang out with those that hang out with the Pharisees in the temple. And I guess if you're going to hang out with Jesus, you have to go there. So if we're not going to go to the temple, Jesus won't sit at our table. It's what the city begins believing. But let's go back. Matthew invites Jesus into his dinner. There's tax collectors and there's sinners all around the table and Jesus is reclined in the middle of them. What do they begin to believe about Jesus now? I guess he does care. Like he just ate dinner with us. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Have the Pharisees ever done that? No. No, they haven't. But Jesus did. What? This is strange. I guess he cares. Maybe the message of Jesus is compatible with sinners. If he ate at our table, then maybe what he has to say is compatible with our life too. Maybe it's not so disconnected. Maybe it's not just for those at the temple. Maybe it's also for those in the city. It's Jesus, guy. He's kind of friendly. It's not like the Pharisees. Like Jesus ate at our table and he laughed with us and he was a part of our meal and he ate and drank with us. And we're like the people that nobody wants to eat with. Wow, he was friendly towards us. Maybe, maybe this is, Jesus is different than what we thought. One of my reflections on our talk last week, I kind of wish I'd said this last week, but now I'm glad I didn't because it's perfect this week. I said last week with the gospel of Jesus, the church has the greatest news in the in world's history. Like, the news of all news that the world has ever heard is the gospel of Jesus. That God in the flesh came to die for the sins of man. Your sins are erased. Your guilt is taken away. You now have victory over life. Life now can be abundant and life will be eternal. Death does not win. This is the greatest news the world has ever heard. But without a presence in the city, we have no voice. And this is what has compelled me personally to be a part of this, is that I believe 100% the church has the greatest news the world has ever wanted to hear, but when we're not present in the city, we don't have a voice to proclaim it with. That's why we exist. We want to have a presence so that we can also have a voice. Because if we don't have a voice, then we're only going to fulfill half of our vision, which is proclaiming good news to each other. But if we don't have a voice, we can't proclaim it to others. And one of the most simple, overlooked ways to gain a voice in our city is to have a presence in our city. Why did Jesus have so much influence in the lives of sinners? He sat at the table with them. They didn't believe the story that somebody else wanted to create about Jesus. They sat at the table with him and they 
began to believe their own story based on their own encounter of his presence. Presence. We can talk about how to share the gospel. We can talk about how to serve the city. We can talk about all this. But if we're not present, here's what's going to happen. is You're going to show up for an event and then you're going to go back to our church and we're not really going to be present. We're just those people that showed up to promote our brand. <laughs> it's all it was. It was us showing up to promote our brand, not us to be the hands and feet of Jesus being present in the city. Presence. Let's just be there. So if what I just said is correct, then, and if there is an increasing separation between the church and the city, here's the downfall. The city has already begun believing something about Jesus that is absolutely nothing like Jesus. Because you just said, in the absence of Jesus, we begin to think that Jesus is unfriendly. We begin to think that He won't affiliate with people like us. We begin to think that Jesus won't accept us because He's absent. So here's the deal. The city out here, in our absence, already has a belief about Jesus and His church. They already think they know. They already believe something. And we didn't even have to show up to help shape that. Actually, our absence has shaped that. Presence isn't, isn't everything, but, but I think without us having a presence and just leaving the city to believe whatever they want, we have nothing. So if we can move back in and have presence in the city... Not just an address, but a presence. Then here's, here's what I believe is true. We can begin to help the city believe something that's actually like Jesus. They can actually be like the tax collectors and sinners. And they're like, huh. Who'd have thunk it? I didn't think he was like that at all. Actually, I didn't think he cared about us. I thought I'd have to go to the temple if I wanted to meet him. Hmm. I didn't think he'd be friendly to our kind. We can reshape how our city sees the church and more importantly, how our city sees Jesus. But if we're not present, we're going to leave the city to shape whatever belief they want. Whatever belief they want. And I think even if we show up to set up a booth, I think that's going to shape the belief in a way that they didn't really want to help. They didn't really want to be here. They just wanted us to go be with them. And if we're going to meet Jesus, I guess we're going to have to go there. No, we're saying we're going to come be present here so that you can experience Jesus here. So, quick brainstorm to conclude our time together. To apply the power of presence in a very simple form, I want to ask you three questions. Question number one. Who or what is in our city? Who's in our city? Just 
what's in our city? What what is it that, that think about the let's use smaller context right now. Think about these few blocks right here. Who's here? Business. Jail. And what? Courthouse. Courthouse. Actually, the the center of our county is right across the street. They can see us from their window. Think about this. If the leaders of our city and our county can see our sign from their office, yet we're never present in their city. Are we shaping their belief about the church and about Jesus? I think we're shaping it in a negative way. We're like, huh. Like, I see them, but I don't see them. I guess they really don't. I guess they just want us to be a part of their thing and they don't want to be a part of our thing. Is that really the way Jesus is? Maybe it's maybe it's just for the temple and not for the city. I think that's a powerful statement you make when you, when you have an address here but not a presence here. Uh, so how can we practice presence in their everyday life. Right? So there's just a simple set. That's who and what is here. But then we ask the application question, how do we, how do we become present? And I'm going to say what we're already doing. We're already a part of the business owners association as if we're another business. And we already sit in their meetings. We already serve their business. We're already... That business owner association is the one that that puts on Third Thursdays. It's the one that puts on Spook City. Anything major that happens downtown goes through and is produced by the Business Owners Association. They're here to make a profit and we're here to make a difference. We can sit in their meeting and say, how can we help? Not give them a call and say, where can I put my booth? And that's how we practice presence right now. And I love our presence in Caldwell, not just because our families, our kids and y'all's kids and other kids are there, but Jessica's teaching there. So it's not something that we came and left. It's like when we deliver lunch on Wednesday, we're not really doing it for us. It's, it's a service of Jessica towards her coworkers. It's like her being an encouragement to the people that she works beside every day. We don't show up with all our city church shirts on and say, look at us, we're feeding you lunch, we're doing good. We're like... We're partnering with Jessica, who's partnering with you, and we want to help you do what you're here to do. 
and we're going to increase Jessica's presence, and we're going to increase our presence as we go through everyday activities. And, and, and those things are going to increase our presence in everything else that we do and increasing the gospel opportunities, increasing our ability to proclaim good news in that place. All right, so let me give you another question. What's going on in our city? And how can we put on the servant towel to serve or like Jesus did when the wedding feast ran out of wine, he brought wine, but he brought better wine. Right? They're like, whoa. We expected you to bring the cheap stuff since everybody was already drunk, but man, you served well in this moment. You made the party better with your presence. So what's going on in our city and how can we serve and make the celebrations better? Think about what's going on. I already gave you one. Third Thursdays. I got a couple more of those left before the season ends. It's a street festival that happens in our front door once a month. It's a growing street festival. Two months ago, they had 2,500 people in our front door throwing a party, promoting the city. Now, we were here last time, and we served. We put on a servant towel. We took every chair you're sitting in, and we took them across the city so that the empty tables had seats so people could sit at them while they were uh, eating from food trucks and things like that. We had a presence that day. And then we observed, and we were here, and we didn't do anything spectacular, but we observed what was going on in our city so that we could brainstorm about how to make that party better. Right? I think it's pretty deflating if you have 3,000 people in your front door and they see your sign, but they don't see your people. I think that's a bummer. It begins to write a story in their brain. I guess they're just here on Sunday. I guess they're just here to grow their thing. I guess they're not really concerned about what's going on right now. I guess maybe the fact that there's a beer booth over there, maybe they can't come because they're unfriendly to people that do this or do that. You know, Even if none of that's true, that's the story you begin believing. Even if none of that, in your absence, you don't get to shape the belief. But in your presence... It shapes a better story in their minds. I think the t-shirts are so awesome because I don't know whoever gets a free t-shirt. It's such a <laughs> profound statement, you know, giving them out like that. And nobody gets free advertisement for sure. Exactly. Yeah, so other businesses that have put all their everything in that basket hoping for the success of their business, to have a church say, you know what, we want to help you. Like, huh. That's a unique presence that, that a lot of people had never seen. Um, and also, once we get past Third Thursday, the first time that we don't have Third Thursday is the month of October, and we have Spook City. Now, I want to say very clearly that we are in the loop of Spook City, and we will be present at Spook City. And we want to be present to make that night better, 
right? So there's a couple ways that can happen. And actually, let me go back to Third Thursday, too, because they have put me over volunteers for Third Thursday. I'm the one that coordinates volunteers for everything that happens on Third Thursday. So if you want to help fill gaps, we can use you on Third Thursday, and we can help do that, but we also want to strategically put you to work with your talents. We've got some other ideas with the worship team and things like that going on. But you want to be present on Third Thursday? Man the inflatable. You want to help... Spook City succeed? Man the inflatable. We want to set up one of the most unique stops around the block for Spook City. Something memorable. Something that makes that party better. Right? There's a lot of ways that we can be present and serve and make these events better for the good of our city. And we're also going to publicize uh, the fact that Jesus is present in their everyday lives. Last one is, what's not happening in our city? So one thing is, like, we're in, Derek and I have talked about this a lot. It's like, God's timing is so good to put us in this city when there's such a movement of things going on. It's exciting just to kind of jump in and ride the wave and help push the momentum. But also, we want to look around and say, what's not happening in our city and how can we celebrate where nobody else is? How can we serve where nobody else is? What, what can we do to foster the things that are not happening in our city? One of the things that I've thought about with our t-shirts is we need to give people an opportunity to take a step. When we give, we're going to go hand those t-shirts. I'm like, what do we invite them to do at that point? And we're thinking about like making a business leader lunch that we invite them to when we deliver their t-shirt. Because there's a lot of people around here that they just walk. It's just like your neighborhood. You get home from work, you open the garage, pull in, close the garage, and you don't leave again until the next morning. Some of the people down here are just like that. Like the guy we met at the Tim that has the financial investor, like three doors down, we knocked on his door, told him about T-shirts, and he's like, I could tell immediately that Tim doesn't know anybody. He walks into his business, does his service, and then he leaves and goes home. He lives out towards Salem. And he doesn't know anything or anybody what's going on here, completely disconnected to everything that's going on. And he was so profoundly just jaw-dropped, and he's like, he would be eager to be connected. So we thought about just having a lunch for business leaders to come, a lunch for the city. build connections because I think there's a lot of people in this city that are still greatly disconnected which means they could be lonely which means in their loneliness they're forming a view of the church and a view of Jesus in their isolation that probably doesn't reflect him at all these are the type of questions we ask if we want to have a presence in the city these are the type of questions. So it's a little backwards from the way maybe, and I've been on church, different church staffs over the course of a decade, and we usually ask questions like, what can we do? What can we host? What event can we put on to get people to come? That's the way the conversations usually start. What can we start that people can come be a part of? And we're asking questions. Who's in the city? What are they doing? And how can we be a part of what they're doing? 
we're asking a different list of questions. We're looking at it in reverse. Because we believe that if we practice presence in what the city has going on, it's going to rewrite the story of the church and rewrite the gospel, how they view Jesus as we're present in their lives and in their city. Does that make sense? Presence. So I'm asking you guys, like, the third Thursday of every month, at least for August and September, I'm asking you to leave that night open so that we can be present. Right? If at all possible, carve that time out of your schedule from 6 to 9 o'clock and just plan on coming downtown. Enjoy the party and serve as we have opportunities. Be present. We're going to help serve this street, but I'm also in charge of helping make sure that all the volunteers are in position all around the festival. When Spook City comes, I'm asking you, set aside that time and let's be present in our city. I'm asking for those, because if we're not present, we don't get to write the story that they believe. It's just left up to their creativity in our absence. Just being present. Man, it's almost like, can you really have a message about just being present? If Jesus wasn't present, then all the opportunities that we saw wouldn't have been possible. Was His presence the thing that brought salvation to all mankind? No. It was actually God with us. Him coming down from heaven to be with us. Yeah, in that way. But it's because He walked through the city didn't mean... But Him being in the city gave every opportunity that He had came because He was in the city with the people. Otherwise, we'll just meet on Sundays and wait on people to show up. Anybody got a closing thought, comment, question? I will find it that it's interesting for my brain, like 100% agreeing and it's like growing up in a religious culture, growing up, you know, um, like all those things, and so that this is wrong, I'm just saying, just like Jesus did when you live the way that you're viewing, the way you do ministry, and the way that you're so used to, as you grew up, you saw people like, but you're saying we're going to go out. It's like you, the religious crowd did. You have to like accept the judgment that comes from them. And for like, that, I mean, there is that. that you have to be, I mean, <laughs> and that's why the whole conversation started. So we care more about what the sinners think than what the religious people think because people will have thoughts. Now, I was in the meeting the other day with, with Carl, who owns the liquor store on Military, and he's the one that sets up the beer. Uh, the beer garden over here and I'm sitting in the meeting and he's like man if we just had like bago or something like that in our beer garden then people wouldn't have to go across the street and then we wouldn't have a lot of issues I'm like we got bago boards 
get our name on it too. <laughs> but you need to know it's got our brand on it. And if you're okay putting our brand in your beer garden, we'll loan you our, and we'll also give you some ladder golf things too. And they're all really sturdy and it's really good. I'm like, we'd love to help you throw a better party in there. And you're right, that creates attention. It creates not attention, but tension in your own brain. It's like, <gasps> what if we affiliate with Carl's beer service and people see us and him together? What are they going to think about us? I mean, <laughs> welcome to the party, guys. This is how it works. We're going to have to wrestle with that reality if we're going to do things the way Jesus did it. think about the other side and say in your absence what's going to happen with that person they're going to have their own story that they're going to believe about Jesus in his church no matter what you in your absence you have no influence but in your presence you got to wrestle with the judgment from the crowd that thinks they know what you should be doing and now you're not Yeah, and the pop-up event that they've been planning um, got postponed to the spring because some other stuff. So I can reach out. We were going to have the coffee shop set up for a Saturday event here, and it was going to be right in front of our shop, and then we had seating and everything you just said. So I can reach out to Jared and see if he would be interested in collaborating for a third Thursday now that that other event's not happening, and that may be possible. Apparently, if we brew coffee in here, there's like health inspections and everything has to go on. But if he makes his coffee in his trailer and we offer seating, then there's no, none of that stuff. So, isn't that interesting? Anybody like, don't want to operate like that? <laughs> well, that's just... Can't we just host events and try to get people to come to our stuff? I mean, that's a lot cleaner. I'm going to I'm going to admit because the people that come to your stuff, they think like you. That I mean, they're coming because they know that your table's compatible with their table. But we're saying, I'm not worried about my table. I'm worried about their table, and I'm going to go sit at it. Just because I, I mean, give you even just praying that God gives you the eyes of Jesus that you can see people the way you see them, you can be his hands and feet, because 
tell you one last thing as we like if we were operating in the way that I've operated my whole life in ministry we would need to call like other churches to come help host an event that we need to host in order to create the presence that we think is attractive but the fact that it's like God's equipped us with everything we need to go be a part of what the city's already doing right if we have 20 people to be a part of this, awesome. If we have 10, awesome. Last time we had four, awesome. Worked out great, right? So we're not trying to act bigger than we are. We're just trying to be faithful with who we are and where we're at. We don't have to put on a show. We just get to be us in the city. That's relieving for me. Wednesday night, dinner at our house, taco bar. I emphasize the taco over the bar. Just in case somebody started associating. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Let me pray for us and we'll dismiss. God, you are so good to us and I'm so grateful that you came and, and sat at the table with me. You approached me, you...